Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Welcome to Loving Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family and Podcast, and we've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Going to be joined by Eric Bookinger. He does an absolutely terrific job over with DK Nation, and he, much like myself, is a man that comes from the great state of Wisconsin, went to college at UW Oshkosh, as a matter of fact, is a guy that I've known since I was like 10 years old. It's going to be absolutely magnificent to be able to get him aboard. We're going to be chatting with him about what he's been taking a look at with regards to player props. He looks a little bit less at sides and totals, but rather at quite a few player props, so we're going to be asking him about that, and then we are going to be taking a look at some of Monday's games as well, and then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all first things first always do love to be able to answer your twitter questions on this podcast and you do have one of two ways we offer those in first one is my twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81 keep in mind letters cm they mean does not matter so as per usual please do send these into the timeline and the other way is find an apple podcast review if you're at this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated and then from there you're able to fire and whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast five that five star review really didn't get in any twitter questions today but we did wind up having a very fun day of baseball on sunday so let's take a look back at it try to find some trends and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. How about a team that winds up not allowing any hits losing? 
That's what the Reds did. 1-0 to zero the final. And for the Reds, hey, they've gotten six wins over the course of the last nine days. But with that said, Hunter Green winds up walking five, winds up giving up one earned run, despite the fact that he didn't allow a single hit. Seven and a third innings, Art Warren winds up coming in. He gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you wind up having Jose Quintana be absolutely terrific. Seven scoreless innings, Chris Stratton and David Bernard, they're able to give you a scoreless inning as well. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cabrian A is a sacrifice ground out, the only run in this game. Out there in the NL Central, a little bit more scoring from the Milwaukee Brewers. 7-3. They're able to take down the Miami Marlins as Brandon Woodruff. Winds up going five innings. Entered into this game with a 12 ERA on the road. A little bit better in this one. Winds up giving up three runs, but only one of which was earned. Mark Brasso wound up giving up an error out there in the field, and he did allow a tank shot to Ore Solaire. Solaire, his seventh home run of the season, Elias Hernandez. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, gives up five runs, but only two of which were earned, but Deepal continues to be haunting him a little bit as he has now allowed 10 home runs in 7 starts this season. Colton Wong and Jace Peterson both get their third home run the campaign off of him. Tommy Nance from there winds up giving up a run in an inning, allowing a home run to Rowdy Tillas. His 8th of the season, you wind up having Lewis Head, Tanner Scott, Dylan Floral. I'll give you a scoreless inning and Cole Solzer gives up a run in an inning, but how about for the Brewers? Aaron Ashby. He winds up coming in in relief and has not been great as a starter, but out of the bullpen has been solid. Four scoreless innings, eight punch-outs. So, Brewers are able to get it done out there. DK Nation pick was on the under in Padres versus Braves. This was pretty brutal as you wound up having four runs scored in the 11th inning. And for that matter, you wound up having an unearned run credited to Joe Musgrove and two unearned runs for the Braves' Kyle Wright as the Padres get it done by a count of 7-3 as... He did wind up seeing them play small ball, 4 of 12 with men in scoring position, and for Musgrove, gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of six innings, giving up a home run to Dansby Swanson, his fourth of the season. From there, Nabel Crisman, two scoreless innings, Luis Garcia, Craig Salmon, Taylor Rogers, all able to give you a scoreless inning, and then for the Atlanta Braves, right to I mentioned before, nine strikeouts, does give up three runs, only one of which was earned, though Colin McHugh from there, pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then A.J. Minter, Kenley Jansen, a scoreless inning, and then Jake Stevens got out of the 10th inning, unscathed, then winds up giving up four runs, two of which were earned. So, pretty brutal out there. You did wind up seeing the Houston Astros be able to hold the Nationals scoreless. So, 8-0 to the final. First time these two teams hooked up in a series since the World Series. And lots of deep shots in this one as you wind up having Yuli Gurriel go deep off of Patrick Corbin. His second home run season, you wind up seeing Martin Maldonado also take Corbin deep his third as... Patrick Corbin now 0-6 with a 628 ERA. Now the mighty of Fong gives up five runs, all of which were earned over the course of six innings. You had Paulo Espino also give up a home run in this one as he allowed a little bit of a shot in the back half of this game to Jose Altuve, seventh home run season, and Chaz McCormick also got a home run off of Corbin, his third as awesome both. Gives up two runs in an inning, Espino one run in one inning, and Kyle Finnegan a scoreless inning from him, but for the Washington Nationals, nothing doing. Justin Verlander had his pitch count jacked up a little bit as he had Angel Hernandez behind the plate, but he was able to get out of five innings scoreless. Rafael Montero, Ryan Sanic were able to give you a scoreless inning, and then Brian Abreu was able to give you two scoreless innings as well for the Seattle Mariners. They wind up taking down the New York Metro Metropolitans 8-7 as they wound up having everything working with regards to Cal Raleigh and Julio Rodriguez. Both get their second home runs of the campaign as Carlos Cookie Carrasco was not long for this game, giving up four runs over the course of four and a third innings. Jason Shreve and Drew Smith wound up allowing those home runs, gave up a total of three runs while getting five outs. Joey Rodriguez gives up one run over the course of two innings and then you did wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Colin Holderman, his first ever appearance as he Mets. They do wind up going four of ten with men in scoring position, including 
doing. Francisco Lindor going deep off of Robbie Ray. Sixth of the season. Ray gets the win, but not impressive for the reigning Cy Young Award winner. 462 ERA has now given up five runs over the course of six innings there, but you did wind up having Sergio Romo and Paul Sewell give you a scoreless Andrews second rider. Continues to be a little bit of a trouble spot for this Mariners bullpen. Gives up two runs in a third of an inning before Diego Casio cleans it up and is able to get the save. You did wind up also seeing the Tampa Bay Rays be able to hold the Toronto Blue Jays scoreless. 3-0 the finalist. Alec Manoa. Manoa, what do you got hurt by the fielding? Matt Chapman, a pair of errors. Very uncharacteristic of him. His first two of the season gives up just one earned run. Trevor Richards was able to give you a scoreless inning. And Ryan Baruki, David Phelps, they combined for a scoreless inning. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, Jeffrey Springs was able to go four and two-thirds inning scoreless. You can tell that they're stretching him out. J.P. Fireyes and Colin Pooch along with Andrew Kittrich, a scoreless inning. And Matt Weisler, one and a third inning scoreless. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, been a little bit of a struggle with regards to the offense. They have scored three runs or fewer now five out of their last seven games as the Rays starting to get online with regards to their bullpen. You did wind up seeing Albert Pools pitch, and he now has a career 36 ERA. The Cardinals wind up getting the job done by kind of 15-6, to six and Hey, is ERA not too far off of what Carlos Rodan wound up doing on Sunday as he allowed eight runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings for the Cardinals. It was all about the deep shot in this one. Zach Liddell wound up giving up a pair of them. He winds up giving one up to Yadier Molina, second home run the campaign, and then winds up giving one up to Nolan Arenado, his eighth. Paul Goldschmidt wound up getting the shot off of Rodan as you wound up having Liddell give up three runs while getting just four outs. Junior Marte, four on two of a turn over the course of one and two-thirds innings as Luis Gonzalez, position player, wound up having to get the final four outs. Didn't allow a run in the process, and for St. Louis, you did have Wayno Adam Wainwright wind up giving up two runs over the course of six innings, including a home run to Mr. Jack Peterson, seventh home run season, and then Gonzalez, who I mentioned before, and Joey Bart both went deep off of Albert Pools for Gonzalez's second, for Bart is fourth as Drew Verhagen and TJ McFarland both able to come in for a scoreless inning. The Philadelphia Phillies bullpen currently in the bottom eight with regards to bullpen ERA and it continues to not be so trustworthy. Phillies had a chance at a four-game sweep of the Dodgers. Instead, they only went three and one because the Dodgers rallied to win by a count of five to four as Aaron Supernola Pretty super in this one. Winds up giving up two runs over the course of seven innings, including home run to Mookie Betts, his seventh home run season. But then from there, Jurisic Familia gives up a run in an inning, and Corey Knable gives up the two runs in the ninth inning that allows the Dodgers to be able to get the WS. For the Dodgers, you did wind up seeing Phil Bickford come out of the bullpen for one and a third inning scoreless. He was able to do a solid job as this was the first career start of Michael Grove. Winds up giving up four runs, none of which was earned, though, as Gavin Lux's fielding air really costed him in this one as he went three and two-thirds innings. Alex Vasile Yancey Almonte were both able to give you a scoreless inning and Shane Green, two scoreless. So the Dodgers, though it's been a little bit of a funk for them, they wound up losing four straight. They avoided what would have been their first five-game losing streak since 2019. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they are on a little bit of a skid now as well, still above 500, but the Cubs wind up getting it done by a count of three to two as the Arizona Diamondbacks have now played 75% of their home games under the total. This is despite the fact that Rafael Ortega and Patrick Wisdom wound up taking Umberto Cassiano's seat. Wisdom is sixth home run of the season. Ortega just as first as Cassianos, two runs given up in the course of five and a third innings, both solo shots. Ian Kennedy does allow a run in two-thirds of an inning, but you did wind up having Keenan Middleton, Kyle Nelson, Noe Ramirez, Caleb Smith combined for two scoreless innings. Joe Mendag, Tipley, a scoreless inning, and Scott Efres winds up getting the win after Justin Seal, a very good start in this one, gives up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of six innings. From there, Efres, a scoreless inning, along with Chris Martin and Rowan Wick for the Cubs to be able to get out of a little bit of a skid. He did wind up seeing the Angels continue to be able to get the job done against the Oakland A's. 
Four to one, the final in this one. Patrick Sandoval, six and a third innings, gives up one run. Jimmy Herget, he gets two and two thirds innings scoreless. And Joey Otani, second straight game with a home run for him. He winds up going deep off of one. Frankie Montas winds up giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Well, punch out. So, I mean, he performed well. That was Otani's eighth home run season. He did have Danny Jimenez and Adam Clarek from there come in for two thirds of an inning. Both gave up one run, but Zach Jackson was able to give you a scoreless inning. AJ Puck, Domingo Acevedo, they're both able to give you an out of the bullpen, but not enough for them. And for the Colorado Rockies. All of a sudden, they have been giving up a whole bunch of runs as they have now given up at least four runs in each out of their last six games. And, well, they got smoked by the... uh Kansas City Royals by a count of 8-7. to seven. All three of these games in the series wound up going over, by the way, as Whit Merrifield was able to get a second home run season that comes off of Austin Gomber. Gomber wound up allowing the first home run of the season as well to Mr. Emmanuel Rivera a little bit later on in the game. You would see Bobby Wood Jr. get a third of the campaign that came off of Ulysses Chassin and Chassin. He winds up giving up three runs while getting just two outs for Gomber. Not terrific, not terrible for Coors Field, giving up three runs over the course of six innings. Robert Stevenson was able to give you an out of the bullpen. Tyler Kinley is scoreless inning, but Daniel Bard. The two runs that he allows in the ninth, a little bit of a trouble spot as the Rockies. They put up a seventh spot in the seventh as you did wind up having Taylor Clark give up four runs, two of which were earned while getting just two outs. Amir Garrett, he winds up giving up two runs while getting just one out. And Colin Snyder winds up giving up a run while getting just two outs out of the bullpen after Daniel Lynch. Very good start. Five and a third inning scoreless. Josh Shamont and Scott Barlow, though, they were able to hold down the fort. They both wind up being able to give a scoreless inning to be able to get the W. A team that has not been getting a lot of W's this year. The Boston Red Sox, they're now 13-21 and 21 as the Walker Texas Rangers take them down by a count of 7-1. to one. It was a bullpen game for the Red Sox and the Red Sox bullpen. It's currently terrible as Austin Davis. Two scoreless innings as pretty much the opener, but Ryan Brazier winds up giving up four runs over the course of an inning, including two home runs. Cole Calhoun will go deep twice in this one, going deep off of feet. Along Tanner Houck, his second and third home runs of the season for Houck, he winds up giving up just that solo home run over the course of three innings. You did wind up also having Adolis Garcia get a pair of home runs. His fifth and sixth of the season as he also wound up going deep off of Tyler Danish. Danish winds up giving up two runs in two innings himself and for the Texas Rangers. Martin Perez, the former Red Sox, has been terrific this season, giving up one run over the course of six innings now as a 2-0-1 ERA. John King, Matt Bush, Joe Barlow able to give you scoreless innings out of the bullpen as the Red Sox, one of nine with men in scoring position, a team that was a little bit more efficient. That'd be the New York Yankees. They take down the Chicago White Sox by a count of 5-1 to one as one Mr. Cortez winds up giving up a home run over the course of eight innings. Was very impressive for the White Sox. Adam Engel got his first home run in the campaign and for Michael Kopech. Now buck 54 ERA did wind up giving up three runs over the course of six innings but deserves better than that 0-1 record. Ryan Burr, Rinaldo Lopez and Jose Ruiz all wanted coming out of the bullpen. Scoreless innings for Burr and Lopez. Meanwhile Ruiz winds up giving up a home run in his inning of work going deep off of him. Joey Gallo for the second straight game. His fifth of the season, Clay Holmes, a scoreless inning for the Yankees, who have now won 18 out of their last 21 games. The Minnesota Twins, they held down the Cleveland Guardians. They win by a count of 3-1. to one. As for Cleveland, Tristan McKenzie, relatively solid start here. He does wind up giving up two home runs, three runs in total over the course of seven innings going deep. Byron Buxton now has 11 home runs in 24 games. He has been impressive in Gio Rochelle's third home run season. And Joe Ryan, he's just a little bit more impressive. Did wind up giving up a solo home run over the course of six innings as Jose Ramirez was able to get his eighth home run season and yelled at Los Santos for the Cleveland Guardians. A scoreless inning and then Cody Sashek along with Joe Smith, Caleb Theobar, Emilio Pagan. Able to piecemeal together three scoreless innings for the Minnesota Twins as the Twins now 
20-15 and 15 on the season, and for the Cleveland Guardians, it's been a little bit tops of jervy with regards to the offense. They have now scored three runs or fewer in now three out of their last five games, so has been fascinating to take a look at them. Been interesting to take a look all season long at the Detroit Tigers and their lack of offense as well as they wind up being able to take down the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 5-1. to one. To put this into perspective, the Detroit Tigers are on pace to get 74 home runs this season, and that's after Miguel Cabrera was able to get a start of the campaign off of Tyler Walls for Walls. He winds up giving up three runs over the course of four innings for Mr. Wells, so not necessarily terrific there. Joey Kreeble, two scoreless innings, and then you do wind up having Logan Allen and Brian Baker combined to be able to give you two innings and give up two runs in the process, and for the Detroit Tigers, Drake Scuba was on it. 11 punch-outs, six scoreless innings. You do have Ronnie Garcia give up a solo home run in the back half of this game. It's going deep off of him, Trey Boom Boom Mancini in the ninth, his third home run season as Garcia did wind up giving up that one run over the course of two innings as Jacob Barnes was also able to give you a scoreless inning, so we did wind up seeing quite a bit with regards to Major League Baseball on Sunday. And as it stands right now, we're still seeing 54.2% of games wind up going under the totals. But underdogs, they have really been able to rise up in the last seven days. You take a look at them. And by the way, overs over the last seven days, they're in at right around 52.2%. 46 overs, 42 unders, but underdogs in that time span of the last seven days, they have been incredibly remarkable as they've been able to hit at a clip of right around 48 or so percent overall underdogs for the year, 208 and 306, and among those 306 wins for favorites. 82 of them have been by one run, so being able to get the run line has been a little bit of an issue for favorites, but you do take a look at these underdogs hitting right around 48% over the last seven days. Certainly has been very stark to see, so that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Sunday, and now coming up next, we're going to be turning it forward to Monday. We're going to be talking with our good friend Eric Bookinger, man that I've known for a very long time, doing a great job over there at DK Nation, doing a great job looking at player props and so much more. We're going to be chatting with him about that. It's a little bit of a reunion Former Hortonville High School Polar Bears, former UW Oshkosh Shanks, reuniting on this podcast right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the UC Family Podcast. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. (laughs) I know, right? 
I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my That's my whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest as we've got a lot of similarities with regards to this interview because not only do we have a fellow gentleman that winds up posting up articles over there at DK Nation, not only do we have a UW Oshkosh graduate, but We've got a former Hortonville High School polar bear as well. So this is a guy that I've known for a very long time. As a matter of fact, since we were in like grade school, it's Eric Bookinger, who is on the podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Deceptive Speed, which is a terrific Twitter handle because this is a guy that he does a great job during the football season, taking a look at all that we wind up getting on Saturdays with college football, has been doing a great job with DraftKings this season, taking a look at player props in Major League Baseball, taking a look at DFS, taking a look at a couple bets. And Eric, it is great to have you aboard today. Thank you so much for joining me. Greg, it is fantastic to talk to you. I certainly appreciate you having me on. First of all, I just wanted to start out by saying I knew at some point the sports betting 101 class in Greenville Elementary School was going to pay off eventually. And here we are. Let's look at us both. Oh, yes, absolutely. I remember running the good old bracket challenge, but we were back in Hortonville High School as well. So certainly that wound up paying off in spades for both of us. And 
here we are, that great Hortonville and UW Oshkosh education being able let to us, get us. Let us all this moment. Yes, the banner moment of both Hortonville High School and UW Oshkosh. But with that said, we're both Wisconsin guys, and both of us know that when it comes to places like Wisconsin, Minnesota, the northeast part of the country, typically it is a little bit cooler in April and May, and typically you do wind up seeing the ball fly out a little bit less towards this time of the season, but typically we don't see scoring this far down. And how have you had to just take a look at handicapping baseball, take a look at these player props in general as a result? Because it's been a very strange season in which we just haven't gotten a lot of runs in general. Absolutely. We've seen a lot of unders so far this season. 55% of games that have not that have uh, not gone next innings have hit the under. So that's basically how I've been adjusting myself, going to more, more, more setting with the unders, especially early on. Even though eventually, once the weather starts to get better, it'll start to pick up. But still, at this point of the season, we're, what, May 15th now, as recording this on Sunday. It's coming out on Monday, I believe. We are pretty much setting record lows for a ton of different areas in baseball. So we'll see. <laughs> it hasn't been great to watch if your first enjoys uh, runs being scored because in the uh, first month of the season, I'm sure you've gone through a bunch of these stats during your podcast, but MLB teams averaged four runs in April. It's the lowest in 40 years, and uh, players are just striking out at an incredible rate right now. Look at some stats in preparation for this year interview here. And it just, and I <laughs> saw that strikeouts currently uh, within the last like 10, 15 years, there's been about 10,000 more strikeouts per, this per season looking back that, that long. So it's pretty, pretty insane, especially this year. We have the DH on both sides. Yeah, it certainly has been so interesting to take a look at because you mentioned it. We've got the designated here in the National League and it almost feels like the pitchers would be hitting just as well as some of the guys out there right now. So that has been a bit of an issue for baseball thus far, and it certainly has been interesting to take a look from a player prop perspective because I know that you've been doing a lot of these where you take a look at guys with regards to total bases. I know that K-props could sometimes be a little bit popular as well. What have been some of the player props that have been most pop- profitable for you and the ones that you've been taking a look at the most this season? So basically to start out, what I usually look for, basically I can use the strategy or pretty much every single Thing I bet on basically, but I look for bets that show that odds makers think they'll be about a 50 50 shot of this happening. So basically, if it shows minus 110 on each side, I'm definitely more attracted to that one than I would be if there was a bet that showed minus 200 odds to the one side and plus 175 to the other. Maybe it's a different strategy people have, but that's just what I usually look for. Obviously, when you're taking minus 200, not getting very much return, and we're taking plus 175, you're very unlikely to uh, win that consistently. So I'm looking for consistent winners. Most of the prop bets that you'll see from me on DraftKings Nation will be strikeout numbers. So I love looking at strikeout numbers because it's either one or the other, right? It's either yes, you'll strike out this many batters, or no, we won't. It's generally not going to be minus 110 each side. It's going to be a little different each way. What I've been mostly looking for is kind of a more of a basic stat for all the a lot of the sports betters, a lot of the uh, baseball stat nerds out there. But strikeouts per nine innings, I think, is a fantastic stat that you can look for. It's definitely a way I've been going through it, especially especially early on in this season, because early on in any season, I should say, because you got a full 162 games that you looked through through last year, and you can bring that into what's happening so far earlier on this year. So you got pitchers who are like. Most pitchers around there start six or seven so far this season. So when you look at a guy who has kind of strolled out of the gates, I feel like one of the first things a lot of sports betters will do when they see a strikeout player prop is they look exactly at what they did so far this season. And that's just a sample sample size of like, what, five or six starts? Whereas I would prefer to look at what exactly happened over the course of an entire season last year, assuming they were healthy. Because if you see a guy who, let's say he's in his six starts, usually throwing like three, four, five strikeouts per game, but then you see uh, last year and, and maybe 
uh, several seasons of sample size where he's got a strikeout per nine, which is around nine, which is very good. If it's a, if it's, a, it's a 10 or higher, then you're one of the best strikeout throwers in baseball. But it's around, if it's around there, that's definitely a guy I'm going to take the over on, and assuming eventually he gets back to his normal form. Yep, I do think that it's intriguing to take a look at those numbers at this point of the season, as we do have Eric Bookinger yeah. of DK Nation joining me on the podcast, because now I feel like we're starting to get a little bit more of a sample size where we could take these 2022 numbers a little bit more seriously. To your point, when you wind up having like two or three starts, One bad start completely throws it off. One great start does as well. I do think that this is sort of that time of the year in which I wind up taking a look at what we've gotten this year, and I sort of marry it together with what we wound up getting in 2021, sort of taking a 50-50 approach. I'm not sure what sample size is big enough for you to wind up putting a little bit more emphasis on the 2022 numbers, but I feel like now we're starting to get into a point in which we still want to use the 2021 numbers, but now I think the 2022 numbers have a little bit more merit to them. Yeah, absolutely. We're about uh, more than a month in so far. Yeah, I still look at both because you got still, especially if it's a pitcher who hasn't started every game so far, if they started on the IL or if they haven't gone too far into games, especially, you'll, you'll see a guy if he's, I mean, headed to start number six and he's had two blow-up starts that were just complete disaster. That's the number I look at as well. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Certainly need to take a look to see if we've got any outliers like, the prime example of that, the 21 runs that the Cubs wound up getting on the Pittsburgh Pirates a little bit earlier this season. That one throwing off their numbers a little bit. And speaking of that division, I think that one of the better games that we're going to be getting on Monday is this Milwaukee Brewers and Atlanta Braves game. You've got Ian Anderson is going to be going for the Bravos, and you've got Freddie Peralta is going to be on the bump for the Brewers with the Brewers anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135 favorites. And this is another one of those guys that Freddie Peralta has been a little bit tricky to gauge because he had that great start to the 2021 season, wound up getting injured right around the all-star break in that neighborhood. And then after he came back towards the end of last season, wasn't necessarily himself, had a little bit of a shaky start to begin 2022. But take a look at his last few starts, has been lights out. I think that this is a fascinating one. I personally look to the Milwaukee Brewers being right around minus 125 to minus 135, but how do you wind up gauging this one? Because I do think that it is an interesting matchup to say the least. Sure. I think Peralta's been fine this season. His numbers don't look as good based on one start this season. He gave up six runs over three innings against the Cardinals early on. And you'll get the other side, Ian Anderson, throwing for the Braves. And he's basically the same exact statistics. He had one bad account against the Reds. Reds of all teams, by the way. He had five runs over two-thirds innings uh, in one of his starts. It kind of made his numbers not look as good as they otherwise would be. By the way, how about the Reds? I just got an alert on my phone that they just had a no-hitter and didn't win. They lost one nothing to the Pirates. How about that? Yeah, that is not necessarily <laughs> too just, terrific. They are inventing ways to lose at this point. Certainly right now, it's interesting. As you expected the Braves to do a lot better so far this season. Without Ronald Acuna for much of the season so far, hasn't played since Tuesday for his second injury. So we'll see if he's able to play in this game. And if you look at the Brewers again, Peralta's been fine. I think this very even pitching matchup on either side. I think if you're going to look at the money line on this one, uh, you said the Brewers are at minus 125, you said, and you got the Braves at plus, uh, what, plus 110? Plus 110, plus 115-ish, yep. With how close this matchup is, I think I would actually side towards the Braves in this one just because of the pit I think it's going to be a 50-50 game. It can go either way. I've seen some, 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 a little bit of inconsistency from Peralta, and I think the higher payout with the Braves might be the side to go on this one. It's going to be a good matchup on Monday, and we're going to see if the Braves are able to put that bad 11th inning that they wound up having against the uh, Padres behind them because I wound up giving out for TK Nation on Sunday. The under in that game was looking oh, no. relatively solid. No, and then, over extra innings. Uh, 
And on top of that, in regulation, among the six runs that were scored, because it was three to three going into extras, three of those runs were scored off of errors as well. So that had me a little bit salty as well. So that was certainly a case of which was not necessarily too terrific. And if you want a situation that's not necessarily too terrific, it is that of the Boston Red Sox, they're going to be taking on an Astros team that has won 12 out of their last 13 games. And we're finding the Astros as an underdog right now. You're able to find the Astros in some places as high as a plus 110, as bad as a minus 105, but with the Red Sox, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Garrett Woodlock going for them. And I will say Garrett Woodlock has been a bright spot for the Red Sox. Wound up having a little bit of a rough go of it last time out, but I like what I've seen out of him. But for the Astros, I don't know how you wind up going up against it, how you wind up going against a team that's getting a lot of places plus money, has won 12 out of their last 13 games. And this looks like the Death Star Houston Astros that we were seeing the last few years in which the offense is going. And really, the bullpen has been one of the best out there in the big leagues as well. Yeah, Astros have been fantastic. You just wonder if they're using some sort of signal again this year. Only. I'm not sure what that. They currently have a plus 40 on differential. They have 9 1 in the last 10. Obviously, just took the, or they uh, hold the half game lead over the Angels. They've been fantastic this season. After the Red Sox. Things have not been going so well for them, so I'm not sure. If you wanted to bet the Red Sox this one, I'm not sure um, exactly what you're pointing to if you want the, if you think Boston's going to win this one. Yeah, it certainly has been a case of which it's been very, very brutal for the Boston Red Sox, to say the least. They've got three guys in the middle of the lineup, and J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, and Xander Bogarts are getting on base, and the rest of the entire team, aside from Garrett Woodlock, has been quite a bit of a letdown this year, as we do have Eric Bookinger of DK Nation joining me right here on the podcast. And Eric, when you take a look at what we've got for Monday, actually a relatively solid card because typically Monday is a little bit of a travel game. We is a little bit of a travel day. We've got 13 games on the board. I think that's really standing out to you, whether it be from a bet that you're going to be looking to take or you just want to see a little bit more from a pitcher slash team in general. I was kind of surprised how big the slate is for Monday night, especially yeah, you got 13 games in that one. By the way, what do you think about this? I believe there should always be a day baseball game every single day of the week. What do you think of that? I am all for it. You do wind up having those games like the Padres versus the Atlanta Braves game with an 8.35 local time start Pacific time. If they could push that back to more like 9.30, 10 o'clock, I'd be a little bit more for it. But I do agree with you. I think that being able to get a matinee baseball game, always terrific. Absolutely. Because if you're if you're a baseball fan, I think you're basically just watching your favorite team right now. And if I'm, and if I'm a Brewers fan, obviously. So if I'm going to be watching baseball on Monday night, I'm going to be watching the Brewers, not anybody else. But if there was a... I don't know if there was a Red Sox against Baltimore game or something. That's probably not a great example. But <laughs> if there's this random game during the day, I'm, I'm definitely more inclined to be watching that. But looking at on Monday's slates, strikeout numbers for Freddie Peralta coming in. because This is going to be a, ma- a really high number because he is striking out players at a very high rate right now. And he's been doing that his entire career. So we'll see exactly how bad it'll be. Because he's also going up against the Braves offense that ranks number or uh, dead last, I should say, in terms of strikeouts per game. They strike out quite a bit. So Freddie Peralta's thrown at least seven strikeouts in his last three games. Like I said, he was a lineup that strikes a ton. And if this number, even if it came out at seven and a half, I'd be inclined to take the over, even though I think a lot of people are going to be hesitant to take that because it's such a high, crazy number. He's also been throwing almost nearly 100 pitches every game. So that's something that in this new world of baseball, we have to try and figure out how many how many pitches managers typically want their starters to go. And uh, he's been getting the ball quite a bit, and he's uh, been able to throw a ton of pitches. So I think Peralta is a good pitch or a good uh, good bet there for high strikeout totals. And also, let's go to the Orioles and take a strikeout total with Kyle Bradish. You probably know he is because he's a rookie. He's making his fourth start of his uh, MLB career. Like I said, the numbers are not, not, not out yet, so we'll see exactly what this comes out to. But he's going up against the Yankees, and he put up solid strikeout numbers during his minor league career. 
but I feel like too many people are going to be, going to be overreacting to his 11 strikeout performance in his last start against the Cardinals. So I think I'm probably going to be recommending the under strikeout total for this one. If I'm giving this one from the good folks at DraftKings Nation, if you want me to write up with this one, I'll probably be taking that. Let's see exactly what happens. The Yankees rank right around the middle of the pack in strikeouts. But I think Kyle Bradish under strikeout total is going to be the play to take in this. And Bradish coming off of 11 strikeouts in seven innings against the St. Louis Cardinals. Look very solid there. Not as solid as the debut of Eric Bookinger on this podcast. Oh, that means too much. Eric, we've known each other for a very, very long time. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that we were a single digit amount of years old when we wound up meeting each other. So it certainly has been a long friendship and great to get you on the podcast today. And I know that you're doing great work over there at DK Nation. Mentioned it a little bit at the top. The fact that your main bread and butter is college football, but this time of year, you've been doing a great job with regards to taking a look at the MLB card. And I know that you've been doing a lot with the NBA and the NHL playoffs as well. So let the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, appreciate all the kind words. It was fantastic talking to you. So you can follow me on Twitter at Deceptive Speed. And also, this is actually perfect timing because today I'll be launching a new Substack site called The Gunslinger Buzz. That's a website and newsletter covering college football quarterback positions. So lots of quick hitters on recruiting news, the transfer portal. There was 200 uh, FBS players that went to the transfer portal from the quarterback position alone this offseason. So if any of your listeners want to watch college football in their lives during this offseason, go ahead and check out gunslingerbuzz.com. It is all completely free. Go check that out. Also, one more thing to know because we talked about Twitter here. I Figured this question was coming, so I checked this out on the chat here. And I just wanted to point out that the two of us, me and you combined, for over 62,000 Twitter followers, we can also leave out the fact that I contribute to only 1,000 of that. <laughs> you contribute to 1,300 of that. You, <laughs> you undersold yourself by about 30%. So That's a good point. But yeah, the, the two of us combined, that's pretty incredible. So I'm sure a lot of the our elementary through college teachers are pretty impressed with what we've been able to do. Yep, and considering I graduated in a class of about 225, Eric, you did as well. We've been able to do a solid job of being able to reach out and grow there, and Eric, Doing an absolutely amazing job over there at DK Nation. Mentioned it. Does a terrific job taking a look at college football as well as baseball. And it was great to get him on the podcast today. We'll need to do so quite a bit more throughout the rest of the season. So big thanks, Eric, for joining me right here on the Baseball Wedding Show. Now a part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break 
and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my That's my <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my That's my dance, <laughs> Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. And now part of the Beeson family of podcasts. was well, terrific to be able to get Eric Bookinger on the show. Not only a fellow UW Oshkosh graduate, not only someone who writes articles much like myself over there at DK Nation, but... Also, a Hortonville High School polar bear. As a matter of fact, he was a year younger than me in high school, so we've known each other since, well, we were like a single-digit amount of years old. So it was great to be able to get him aboard today. Guys, doing absolutely terrific work, so that was a lot of fun. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind that we are going to be going in Las Vegas Station or this is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games. Typically, interleague games will be at the bottom. We do not have any of those today, so that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. And 
do note that there might be a little bit more changes with regards to these numbers as to when you're hearing this as well. I wound up doing the look at on VSIN yesterday, so I wound up having to record this just a shade bit earlier. But we do begin with 901, 902 on the betting board. You got yourself the Washington Nationals, and they're going to be in the road face off against the Miami Marlins. Aaron Sanchez is going to be going for the Nets, and Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for Miami. I'm thinking that this is before we wind up seeing a pitching change to Sandy Alcantara because I know that there has been a lot of question mark as to what the Miami Marlins would be doing in the spot, but right now you're finding the Fishies at DraftKings at a minus 155 at a plus 135 on Washington with a total of 8 over and under are both at minus 110, and I mean, even at a 7.5, I'd be looking at an under 7 or less. I'd be taking a look at the over. But with the Marlins, I wound up saying them as a minus 166 favorite. With Sandy Alcantara going, like I said, a little bit of a last-second pitching change. So I do think that we're probably going to see a little bit of different numbers in the AM. But take a look at what Alcantara has been able to do this year. 2-2 record, but you got to note that he has been just so much better at home than he has been on the road in recent years in general. This year, a little bit of a small sample size thus far. Just three starts at home has a little bit over a 3 ERA, but last season, 2.41 home ERA to a 4.01 road ERA, and that's just because it's so much more pitcher-friendly out there in Miami. You'll notice that the bullpen has been able to have a little bit more success in Miami. Anthony's, Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender have been able to do a solid job. Stephen O'Kurt, you even take a look at someone like Nicole Solzer who came over from Baltimore. It's been rock solid for him, and then for the Washington Nationals, it has been a really rough go of it. They just don't have necessarily a lot of bullpen pieces. They've got one of the worst bullpens out there in the big leagues, Tanner Rainey, who's currently the closer for this team at a north of 70 RA last season. You wound up having Kyle Finnegan and Austin Volth wound up getting used up yesterday as well. So that means that coming out of the bullpen, you're probably going to be looking at someone like a Josh Rogers or an Erasmo Ramirez. Now, with Washington Nationals, this has been a team that has done a solid job of being able to put bad to ball. Mikel Franco, Cesar Hernandez, Keep it a wheeze. These guys in between about a 260 to a 270. And Juan Soto has been able to do his part. He has been able to go deep eight times this year, but only 11 RBI. I believe that he's got six solo runs this season. Josh Bell, he's hitting a 340. And then you take a look at the Miami Marlins. And it's been a big average offense. You do need more of your traditional mashers to be able to pick it up. The big names like a Ore Soler, Avicio Garcia, Miguel Rojas, Jacob Stallings, all these guys. Hitting a 210 or lower is not necessarily ideal, but AC Sagiar, now 17 RBI, 333 on base. Garrett Cooper, 350 on base. So these guys have been able to do a solid job along Chaz Chislam. Six home runs and 104 at bats for him. So I do take a look at this spot. I do think that the Fish should be a relatively sizable favorite. I want to make them a minus 166 on the money line. And if you're looking at a run line, anything north of a plus 120 would be a little bit of a buy point on me if you wind up getting like a minus 150 money line and like a plus 130 run line. I personally would be going with the run line because you do take a look at Aaron Sanchez and this is a guy that could have a blow up start at any given point. I went through the bullpen numbers and he himself has himself a 758 ERA. He's been dealing with a little bit of a bone bruise on his left hand as well so it's not necessarily too terrific in his 19 innings of work. He's only had three walks but the swing and miss stuff is down as well. 10 strikeouts so it's getting right around five punch outs per nine innings and every one of his starts he's allowed at least three runs as well so I do think that Miami should be able to beat up on the Washington Nationals so if anything We'll be taking a look at a run line with Miami at this point to go along with an 8-under. 903-904 on the betting board, the St. Louis Cardinals hit the road face-off against the New York Metropolitans. 
Miles Michaelis is going to be going for the cards. And right now, the betting board reads to be determined for the Mets. We're thinking that it's going to be Trevor Williams right now. And if it does wind up being Trevor Williams against Miles Michaelis, this is a spot in which I'd be making it a relatively pick'em game. I wind up setting the Mets officially as a minus 103 with Trevor Williams going at, well, the run line that would be very, very hefty that you would need the plus place to be able to take. But with that said, this is also going to be a circumstance in which I'd be willing to take a 7 over and a 7.5 or higher. I would be taking a look at the under. I wind up setting this at a 7.3. You take a look at Trevor Williams and his first start of the year against the Arizona Diamondbacks did not wind up going as planned. He wound up going two innings, giving up four runs, but has actually been able to do a solid job out of the bullpen ever since. And if you take a look at his ERA numbers out of the pen, he's wound up going nine innings, giving up three runs. So nothing great, nothing terrible. And there was a point in which Trevor Williams in 2018 had the best post-All-Star break ERA of any player out there in the big leagues. But then you take a look at Miles Michaelis, and this guy has been a roller. Now, I don't think he's going to be able to keep quite this up. He's given up seven earned runs and seven starts, going 42 and a third innings. Not necessarily getting a ton of swing and miss, 31 strikeouts, but just eight walks, two home runs allowed. He has given up quite a bit of contact, and that is a little bit of why I make the Mets a very, very slight favorite. This is a Mets team that all of a sudden has been able to bust out with the bats. They played a few overs in that series against the Seattle Mariners, and you take a look at this lineup. Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimbo, both of these guys, hanging north of a 300. You've been able to get some good at-bats out of Marcano, who's got a 366 on base. Darling Marte, one of the best, better base sealers out there in baseball. Francisco Lindor has six home runs. Pete Alonso, he's been able to do a nice job hitting a 270. He's went deep eight times, and for the Mets, it is a team that they did wind up having to use their bullpen a little bit more than they would like. Jason Shreve, along with Drew Smith, wound up getting a lot of usage over the weekend, so that is a little bit of an issue. Now, Seth Lugo, Edwin Diaz, these guys are going to be available for them, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, this team currently leads the National League with regards to bullpen ERA, so that is a good mark for them, but also, St. Louis did wind up having to play on Sunday Night Baseball, and if they didn't wind up having to play on Sunday Night Baseball, I probably would be setting Miles Michaelis as more around a minus 110-ish favorite. I do think that there is a little bit of something to these teams that they wind up playing on Sunday Night Baseball, and then they come back on Monday, and they just don't necessarily have a lot in the tank. This is a bullpen that has had TJ McFarland struggling a little bit, but Andre Pallanti has been able to do a good job. Genesis Cabrera has been lights out. Giovanni Gallegos, after a little bit of a rough start to the season, he's been able to pick it up, and you do take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals lineup, and Nolan Arenado has been terrific for the team, has been regressing a little bit, but still, for the season, he's hitting north of 307 home runs. Paul Goldschmidt, he's hitting nearly a 300 himself. Bottom of the lineup has been a little bit rough. Dylan Carlson, Umando Sosa, these guys are in below a 215. Tyler O'Neill has been out of the fold the last few days. Albert Pujols, I mean, he's just long in the teeth. He's just not able to provide you a whole heck of a lot, but with that said, if it does wind up being Trevor Williams against Miles Michaelis, making this a relatively pick'em game with the Mets, a very slight minus 103 favorite. A 7 or less going to be looking at an over and a 7 half or higher to the under as we move on to 905-906 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs are going to be playing us to the Pittsburgh Pirates. It is going to be Wade Miley open to have a party in Chicago for the Cubbies. And right now the betting board reads to be determined for Pittsburgh. I was seeing a little bit earlier Bryce Wilson. I know that they have been utilizing Bryce Wilson and Dylan Peters sort of as a little bit of a piggybacking duo. So I think that that is going to be something that is very fascinating to take a look at. But with that said, assuming that we're going to be getting some form of 
Bryce Wilson slash Dylan Peters. I wound up setting the Cubs as a minus 158 favorite. And what I'm noticing is that the wind is going to be blowing a little bit more diagonally when it comes to this game. It seems like it's going to be blowing inward as the game winds up going along. So if you do wind up getting the Wilson slash Peters duel, I did wind up setting the total at a 7.8. That means a 7.5 or less looking over and an 8 or higher going to be taking a look at the under because you do have a Pirates team that they've been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base. Ben Gamble setting a 290 for the team and Cabrian Ace right around a 400 on base. Daniel Vogelback has been able to give you 6 home runs, 350 on base. You do have the guys at the bottom, Josh Van Meter, Yoshi Satsugo, Jack Swinsnitsky. You're even able to throw in there someone like a Michael Perez. All these guys hitting below the middle line of a 200. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the Chicago Cubs. And it's been a little bit of a rudderless lineup because you take a look at this team. And outside of that 21-run outburst that they ironically wound up having against the Pittsburgh Pirates a few weeks ago, they're averaging right around 3.5 runs per game this season. The power has really went down going into Sunday, 23 home runs over the course of 32 games. C.A. Suzuki has not had a home run in weeks. He and Wilson Contreras have been able to do a solid job of getting on base. Suzuki 360 on base. Wilson Contreras along the and both right around a 400 on base. But Patrick Wisdom, he's striking out about 46, 47% of his at-bats. That's not great. Rafael Ortega, Jason Hayward, a lot of these guys out there in the outfield, they need to pick it up a little bit more. But with the Cubs, they've actually got the third best bullpen area out there in the big leagues. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, something that I find to be just so gosh darn fascinating with this team is that all but two of their wins have come out of the bullpen this year, despite the fact that their bullpen is in the bottom six with regards to ERA. They did wind up using up Chris Strand yesterday, which is not necessarily the worst thing, but Chase Young, Heath Emery, hard to have a lot of faith in them. David Benara has been relatively solid, but for the Cubs, their best bullpen ERA out there in the National League, Scott Efforts has been able to do a very solid job for this team. Rowan Wick has been highly reliable as well. Michael Gibbons, it's not like he's giving you a ton with regards to lockdown stuff, but 335 ERA, so he's not giving you a dud either to get my drift there. But with that said, with the Cubs, assuming that it is going to be Miley against some form of Wilson slash Peters, wound up setting them at a minus 158 in this spot because Wade Miley made his first start of the year against the San Diego Padres. They wind up getting a little bit roughed up. I think that he's going to be able to do a little bit better against the Pittsburgh Pirates, but certainly has been very much an up and down pitcher. Wound up having five walks in that first start. So I don't think that Miley is actually going to go too deep in this game. I really think that it's going to be the bullpen. That winds up picking it up. Perhaps you wind up seeing Keegan Thompson in long relief, who has got a sub-3 ERA in that role. So going to be looking at the Cubs as a minus-150, a favorite on the money line, 7.5 or less, looking over 8 or higher to the under, 907-908 on the betting board. You've got the Atlanta Braves in the road, and they're going to be facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Freddie Peralta is going to be going for the Brew Crew and Ian Anderson. Going to be on the bump for the Bravos. The Bravos are finding themselves anywhere between a plus 115 to a plus 120-ish underdog. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the crew, anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135 is your price. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the 7.5. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 8, under is minus 120. And the over is even. And when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, set them at a plus 142 in this spot because Ian Anderson certainly has had his walks issues. And for Freddie Peralta, has been a little bit topsy-turvy ever since he wound up going through his injury woes last season, but I do think that he is starting to pick it up a little bit more. He has given up a combined five earned runs over the course of his last four starts. Now, for context, two of those starts came against the poopy Cincinnati Reds, and one came against the poopy Pirates, but still he's been able to do a good job being able to come in and hold down the fort, and the big thing with him is that the walks are down. He's had just five walks 
in these last four starts. Always what has been an issue for him has been command. So has a good swing and miss stuff north of 11 punch outs. Per nine innings, and for Ian Anderson, ironically enough, walks have been an issue for him. Just 22 strikeouts in 30 innings. You expect that to be a little bit higher because he's given out right around 4.7 walks per nine innings and has a lot of home run in four out of his last five starts. That is not necessarily too terrific. And for Ian Anderson, the team has been able to overcome that, winning in four out of his last five starts. But a lot of this has been due to the offense. The Braves, not necessarily a team with a great batting average, but they have been able to do a good job of being able to slug out home runs. Marcelo Zuna, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, between the three of them. He combined 18 home runs, all these guys between. 14 and 15 RBI, and for that matter, you currently have seven guys on the roster with at least 14 RBI. Travis Arno, he's hitting right around 270 for this team. At Olsen, 375 on base. That has been pretty solid, but for the Atlanta Rays, they also did wind up having to burn through their bullpen yesterday. And for the Brewers, they are going to have a lot of their trustworthy guys like Josh Hader, Devin Williams and company all available for the Braves. They are going to be without Ronald Acuna Jr. in this game as well, so that means that with the Braves, probably going to be looking at having Kenley Jansen available. That is going to be able to help them out. AJ Minter, Tyler Mazik, these guys have been pretty solid all season long, and Tyler Thornburg, they're a former Brewer, might need to provide a little bit of long relief, and then you take a look at this Milwaukee Brewers offense, and it is currently one of the best ones out there in the big leagues, but I do think their regression is going to be coming in, because you take a look at a lot of the numbers that the Brewers have been able to amass, and they want to come in against the Reds and the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates, as you've got William Adams and a run for Roddy Tellez, all giving between 8 and 9 home runs this season, but you take a look at the batting averages themselves, and it has been far from terrific for this team. You've got one guy with at least 40 at-bats that is hitting above a 265 in Luis Urias, and he wound up just coming in off the injured list. Among guys that have not missed at least 10 games this season, you've got one guy that's hitting above a 252. That'd be Colton Wong. Now, Christian Yelich starting to look like his former MVP self wound up having that cycle last week. Rowdy Tellez, he himself is hitting about a 250 as well, so that is something that you're able to rely upon And Brad Boxberger. I mean, the stat that I wound up trading on yesterday of him having three blown saves, it is true, but it's also missed leading. He's been very solid out there in the bullpen. The bigger issue is John Dal Gustave, Trevor God, who wound up putting in, in those spots where he winds up blowing runs that weren't necessarily his and having him blow saves. So I think that that's a the context there that the front end of the Brewers bullpen, not great. The back end of it is amazing. I think that Feralta is going to do enough to be able to get to that back end of the bullpen. Did wind up setting my total at a 7.7. So you're at a 7.5. Going to be taking a look at the over and I'm going to lay the minus 125 to minus 135 with the crew. Made them a minus 142 favorite. 909, 9 in the middle board. You've got the San Francisco Giants hitting the road face-off against the Colorado Rockies. Antonio Senzatella is going to be going for the Rockies. And Alex Wood is going to be on the bump for San Francisco. Totals 11 over and under, both at minus 110. And with the Giantes, anywhere between minus 145 and minus 150 plus price. With the Rockies, anywhere between plus 125 and plus 135. With the Rockies, I needed at least a plus 125 to be able to take a shot here. And we have reached that number, so we are going to be taking a look at Senzatella and company, and I do think that it's so interesting the way that Antonio Senzatella pitches, because he pitches at Coors Field, very much a hitter-friendly ballpark. This is not a guy that winds up getting swings and misses. As a matter of fact, he's made six starts this year, and he's gotten eight strikeouts, but and he's been halfway decent. A 488 ERA when your home ballpark is Coors Field is not too bad, and in four home starts, he has a 237 ERA. He has allowed 30 hits in 19 innings, so, I mean, if he continues to allow north of 12 hits per 9 innings, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression there. It's hard to have a opponent's batting average of 395 and have a 237 ERA, but that said, he has to be able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort, and when it comes to this Giants lineup, it is 
an intriguing one in that I like it, but at the same time, the Giants are coming off of Sunday Night Baseball. Now they have to travel to Coors Field and first game at elevation. It's just such a big home field advantage for the Colorado Rockies because these guys are just not used to it, especially when you've got a team in San Francisco that they're right by the ocean. So that's not necessarily too terrific there. You do have Omar Flores along with Brandon Belt, Mikey Strzemski, all these guys in between a 260 to a 270 entering into Sunday Night Baseball. And it is a team that they've been relenting a little bit with home run ball, 33 home runs in 33 games this season. So their offensive has been down a little bit there. But Jack Peterson, even though he hasn't hit a bunch of bombs recently, still six home runs for the season. You've had Thario Estrada be able to get on base for you as well. Darren Ruff after a very rough start to the season and they able to pick it up as well for the San Francisco Giants. Last year, they were the lone team in the big leagues that wound up having a sub-3 ERA. They have been dealing with a couple of injuries to guys like Dominic Leone and company in the bullpen, but have been able to have Camilio Duvall along Charlon Garcia do a solid job of being able to come in, hold down the fort for this bullpen. And then you do take a look at what you're able to get out of Alex Wood and it's been a little bit up and down for him this year. A 360-ish ERA last time he faced off against the Rockies was able to hold them scoreless in five plus innings. But that said, that was at home as compared to on the road. And this year for Alex Wood, he has been a little bit better on the road. And you take a look at what he was able to do in 2021, 358 home ERA. 420 roadie RA, but with that said, it is a case which he does have to go to Coors Field, was only able to complete nine innings in his two starts there last season, and he is someone that is prone to giving up a few walks. He wound up having right around 2.8-ish walks per nine innings, and this is a Rockies bullpen that is far from terrific, but been able to have guys like Justin Lawrence, Tyler Kinley be able to perform very well at home, and for the Colorado Rockies, this is a team that they're hitting nearly 50 points higher at home rather than on the road, even with Chris Bryant being out of the fold. They have been able to get a lot of offense going. Ryan McMahon is starting to pick it up He's hitting north of a 250. Jonathan Daza is hitting above a 375 right now. CJ Crone, out of his home runs, all but two of them have come at home right now. He's staring at nine of them. Connor Joe has been able to make this thing go as well. Sam Hilliard, he's been filling in. has been a little bit rough for him, but I do think that he's going to be able to pick it up. And Randall Grichik hitting above a 300 at home. So I'm willing to take anything north of a plus 125 here with the Rockies. So we're going to be looking at them on the money line. Do mind if saying my total at a 10.7 as well? I do think that Sensatella going to continue to give up a little bit of contact, but I do think that with the the Giants having to travel after Sunday Night Baseball. It is going to take a little bit out of them. So, looking under and looking at the Colorado Rockies. 9-11, 9-12 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing us the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner are going to be going for the D-backs. And Tony Gonsolin is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. The Snakes are a pretty hefty underdog here. You're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 180 and plus $2. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Dodgers, it is anywhere between minus 220 and minus 215. 8.5 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I was willing to take anything north of really a plus 195 in this spot. Now that we've gotten the plus 195 to plus $2, I'm going to be willing to take a shot here. And I thought I was being generous because the LA Dodgers are in a little bit of a losing streak. You know what? They should be able to snap out of it. But I mean, I think that the price is a little bit too high here on a guy in Tony Gonsolin that, I mean, he's been rock salt, Buck. 33 ERA, six starts. It's done a nice job of being able to hold down the fourth. Team has been able to win, I believe, not all but one of his starts, but 
With that said, he's completed more than five innings just once a season, and this is a Dodgers team in which they really had to dive into the bullpen yesterday, so this is a less than ideal circumstance for them with the LA Dodgers. You've had a couple struggling bats with this team as well. Justin Turner, Max Muncie, Cody Bellinger, all guys earning a 215 or lower, and Bellinger his struggles really date back to last season. Gavin Lux earning a 240 with a 330 on base. Mookie Betts, he got another home run yesterday, so he has been able to do a rock-solid job for the team, but who's going to be able to spell Tony Gonsolin? a guy that throughout his career hasn't been able to lend a lot of length as they wound up not even getting a full four innings out of their starter in Mr. Grove yesterday so it's a little bit of an issue and when it comes to the LA Dodgers you certainly do have guys like Broussard or Gratterall and company that are going to be able to come out but now they're all tired and you take a look at the flip side what well, you're going to be able to get out of this Arizona Diamondbacks team and Madison Bumgarner is one of the ultimate workhorses out there in the big leagues when he doesn't wind up getting tossed from games he's always able to give you five plus good innings so thus far this season he's been able to post up a Buck 70 ADRA has been the victim of a couple unearned runs behind him, and he has been giving up right around 3.3 walks per nine innings, so that is a little bit of an issue. But I take a look at this Simon Maxime, and ding dong, the witch is dead. They're finally hitting as a collective above the Mendoza line of a 200, so that's good. You've got a couple guys that are starting to get on base. Dalton Varsho is hitting above a 250 for the team. Not saying much, but Pavin Smith is hitting like a 232, and you have been able to get some power out of the team, which has really been one of their saving graces. Dalton Varsho, along Christian Walker, both have been able to give you six home runs. This season and for the Diamondbacks, you probably don't want any part of Mark Melanson. He has been absolutely terrible for this team, but you take a look at some of the other relievers. Ian Kennedy has a sub-3 ERA. Joe Manette, Dibley, a sub-1 ERA entering into Sunday. He's been able to do a solid job, even when you've had Caleb Smith in there in long relief recently. He's been able to do a good job in the month of April. It was not going well for him, but ever since he's returned, last four appearances, he has been able to do a rock-solid job there. So I do think that this is a spot in which should the Dodgers be able to bounce back a little bit more likely than yes, I would say so, but now that we're getting up to $2, it has just went a little bit too lofty for a team that Aaron dealing with a little bit of a burnt-out bullpen. I do think that Bumgarner going to do a nice job of holding down the Ford end, even with the Diamondbacks rising up a little bit with regards to their team batting average. They still have had a little bit of a tough time getting on base. So set my total at an 8.3. I'm looking under. And anything of a plus 195 or greater going to be willing to take a shot here on the Snakes as we move to 9.13, 9.14 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers hit the road face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Corey Kaluber is going to be going for the Rays. And Alex Alex Fiedo is going to be going for the Tigers. The Tigers are finding themselves between plus 165 and plus 175. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rays, anywhere between minus 187 and minus 195 is your price. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the 7.5. Over is minus 120 and the under is even on the 8. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. They wind up saying my total at a 7.8. The way that things are shaking out right now, I've mostly got 8s available for to me and and an 8, I'd be taking a look at an under, and I would honestly rather have an 8 under rather than a 7.5 over because, well, with the Detroit Tigers, right now they've got 16 home runs in 35 games. To put this into perspective, they are currently averaging .457 home runs per game. If you multiply that by 162, they're on pace for 74 home runs, a.k.a. one more home run that Barry Bonds wanted pinning by himself in 2001. That is not necessarily too terrific right there. We can question what Barry Bonds wound up having in his body in that 2001 season, but still, when your entire team is right now on base with an individual player for home runs, that's not terrific. Now, good news is you've been able to get a little bit more offense recently. Austin Meadows is back in the fold. He's got a 360 on base. You've had Miggy Cabrera 
Cabrera be able to hit very well, 300 on base. He wound up having a home run yesterday, so he's been able to come through, but Robbie Grossman, Javi Baez, Jonathan Scope, Spencer Torkelson, Eric Koss, Akil Badu, all these guys hitting a 220 or lower. It has not been good, and then you do take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, and this is a little bit of an all-or-nothing lineup. You take a look at all these guys, they're hitting a 280 or greater, and it is a very big list. Wander Franco is on there, Francisco Mejia, Manuel Margot, Harold Ramirez, they've all been able to do a solid job, but then Brandon Lau is hitting a 212. He is having five home runs this season, but then you wind up getting into Tyler Walls, Kevin Kiermaier, Mike Zanino, Brett Phillips, all these guys. They're in below the Mendoza line of 200, and Big Giant Chasm and Randy Orozarena only in at 227 with one home run this season. Just honestly, too terrific, and for the race, it's been a league average bullpen thus far this season. You've been able to get some very good innings out of Andrew Kittrich and J.P. Fireisen. This point this season has yet to allow an earned run, but some of these long guys just have not been able to do a solid job of holding down the fourth for this team. You wind up having to give Jeffrey Springs another start yesterday, and for Jeffrey Springs, he was able to spearhead a team in which they were able to pitch a shutout yesterday, but as a result of Springs having to get a start and not being able to complete five, that means they call him Pooch, Fire Eisen, Andrew Kittrich, along Matt Weisler, all wound up having to come out of the bullpen, but with that said, I do think the Corey Kluber, after he wound up having a little bit of a rough start, I believe that he wound up getting an extra day off after that as well, is going to be able to come in and is going to be able to lend a little bit of length, wound up giving up eight runs in three innings in that start against the LA Angels. Prior to that, had given up just seven runs over the course of 20 six and two-thirds inning, so was able to do a relatively solid job there, has been able to cut down on the walks, and for Mr. Alex Fajardo, he has made two starts, 360 ERA, guy that at the minor league level was able to do a relatively okay job with command, didn't necessarily give up a bunch of hard contact, but still seems a little bit raw at this point. I was willing to take the raise at a minus 181 on the money line, on the run line, any sort of a plus price whatsoever was willing to take the race. Right now, finding them at a plus 110, I think that the Tigers are prone to losing this game by multiple runs because I just don't know how much you're going to be able to score themselves with the way that the bats are going. So this is a spot in which I'm willing to take the Rays run line at a little bit of a plus price and at an 8, I'm going to be taking a look at an under. 9-15, 9-16 on the bang board. The New York Yankees are going to be in the right face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Bradish is going to be going for the Orioles and Luis Severino is going to be going for the Yankees. Yankees are finding themselves as a sizable favor between minus 210 and minus 220. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Orioles, anywhere between plus 180 and plus 182 is your price. NF is your total over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Do I saying my total at an 8.3? I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as you've got an Orioles bullpen that is currently in the top 10 with regards to ERA. Felix Bautista has been terrific now. CNL Perez in his somewhat ERA. I think that that is going to be regressing a little bit. I do like what you're able to get out of Dylan Tate as well, but I do think that that's going to regress a little bit. And then you do take a look at the gentleman that is going to be going in the start. And Bradish, he is coming off of a start in which he had 11 punch-outs and 7 innings against St. Louis. Now, I do think that he's going to be going through his growing pains, but I actually liked what I saw of him at the minor league level. Had some relatively good swinging miss stuff. Was a guy that was able to have relatively solid command. So, I do think that there is a future for him in this league. And then you take a look at Luis Severino, and he's been a little bit up and down this season. He has a 408 ERA, so that has been a little bit of an issue, giving up three plus turned runs in each out of his last three starts. Keep in mind, this is a guy that last few years just didn't wind up being able to pitch much in general just due to all the injuries, but he's actually been able to do a little bit better job on the road rather than at home. At home, he's had a little bit of an issue giving up the deep shot, has had a greater opponent's batting average on the road, as a matter of fact, by a full 130 points on the road, but obviously it's a small sample size, and the good news for him is that 
He's backed up by a whole bunch of mashers right now. As you take a look at it, you've got Aaron Judge and John Carlos Sam combining for 22 home runs thus far this season. These two guys currently have six more home runs than the entire Detroit Tigers team. That is just absolutely insane. Both of these guys in at least a 290. DJ Turner up LeMayu is hitting a 275 along with Isaiah Canerfalefa. Josh Donaldson has been able to pick it up with the power. Hey, Joey Gallo is starting to give you a couple at-bats. That is something that is very encouraging for the team and for the Yankees. A top-five bullpen in terms of ERA. This has been very terrific for the team. Jonathan Blyska has had a little bit of a rough go of it, especially against the Baltimore Orioles this year. But you take a look at the rest of these guys. Roldis Chapman has been relatively locked down this season. The only guy that wound up having to come out of the bullpen yesterday was Clay Holmes. And he's been amazing in his own right. But Wandy Peralta is able to give you some good innings. Even Lucas Lukey, he's been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort. And for the Baltimore Orioles, all of a sudden, it has been a lineup that has been able to bust out a little bit. They had a rough go of it out there in Detroit, to say the least. They wound up scoring a combined three runs in those three games. And as a matter of fact, this is a team that they have scored seven runs in their last five games. I think that they're going to be able to do a little bit better here as Drew Boom Boom Mancini and Austin the Say's kid, both hitting a 290, though Austin A is dealing with a little bit of an injury right now. You've got Anthony Santander. He's got 355 on base for you. Ore Mateo has been able to get on. Ryan Mountcastle, four home runs, 270 batting average. Cedric Mullins, a 325 on base, but out of the lineup. And Runet Odor, Anthony Bamboom, Tyler Devin, Chris Owings, Calvin Gutierrez, all these guys hitting a sub-200. A little bit of an issue. So I do think that the Orioles are going to be named Hickory in this game because I do think that they're getting smoked if you take a look at the Yankees run line. Finding it in a lot of places right around a minus 125. I was willing to lay up to a minus 140 here. So I do think that the Yankees got to put a hurt on the Orioles. I'm willing to take them on the run line. I think that the Orioles could continue to sputter on offense. So taking a look at the 8.5 under set my total at 8.3 and look Looking at the Yankees run line. 9-17, on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to be playing on the Seattle Mariners. Chris Flexen is going to be going for the Mariners. And Yusei Kikuchi is going to be on the bump for Toronto. Toronto, anywhere between a minus 155 and minus 165 favor. Meanwhile, for Seattle, it's anywhere between plus 143 and plus 145 with 8-8 being your total. On the 8, the over is minus 120. The under is even. On the 8.5, the over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And when it comes to Kikuchi... I wound up setting him as a minus 154 favorite here on the money line, but if you're taking a look at the run line, was willing to take this as long as I was getting north of a plus 125, currently finding that at a plus 135, I'm going to be willing to take a shot. We have noticed that in recent years, it has been a case in which you've got a Seattle Mariners team that has been able to win a lot of one-run games, but that said, also with the Seattle Mariners, it has been a team in which the bullpen has now been faltering a little bit more this season with someone like a Drew Second Rider now having north of a 3-5 ERA. Diego Castillo has been just an absolute hot mess for this team all season long. He's been posting up an ERA and hovering right around the 9 range, so that has honestly been terrific for this team. They've been dealing with a couple of injuries of their own, and they wound up having to use up Sergio Romo, Paul Sewald, along with the aforementioned second rider yesterday, but with the Seattle Mariners. All of a sudden, the bats have been able to come a little bit more alive for this team. Ty France, he has been able to get this team north of 20 RBI thus far this season. He and J.P. Crawford hitting above a 300. Adam Frazier is now hitting a 260 along with Julio Rodriguez. And Rodriguez got off to a really slow start to the season, but you take a look at what he's been able to do here in the month of May, and he has been absolutely terrific in the month of May, hitting right around a 300 after it was more like a 200 in April. So he has been able to come alive for this team. You do need a little bit more at the bottom of the lineup. Abraham Toro, Steve even Sosa Jr., Cal Raleigh, and Eugenio Suarez, all these guys. And you're doing our lower non SA2 terrific, though Jesse Winker was able to pick it up in that last series. But you do take a look at the Blue Jays as well. And they have uncharacteristically been one of the better under teams out there in baseball. They scored a combined seven runs in that series against the Tampa Bay Rays. It has been very befuddling because this is a team that they're getting on base. They're hitting a 235 with a 300 on base as a collective. You got Boba Shett, 
who's now hitting about a 235. You need he and Lourdes Gurriel to be able to pick that up a little bit, but Vlad Guerrero Jr., 280 batting average. He and George Springer both have seven home runs. Springer's been able to get on base for you. Even Santiago Espinal, he's hitting at 280. Alejandro Kirk has been solid at the catcher spot slash DHing as well, but when they wind up getting guys on base, they make like your buddy at the bar and they cannot close. And take a look at this bullpen, and it has been one of the worst ones out there in the big leagues. Jordan Romano has actually been a very good closer for this team as a three ERA has been having one of the best save rates out there in all of baseball. So he's been able to do a solid job, but Yimi Garcia has been very up and down for this team. Tim Meza, he's got an ERA that is hovering right around two, which has been encouraging, but Trevor Richard, David Phelps, these long guys have not necessarily been great. And you take a look at Yusei Kikuchi. He is facing off against his former team. And I do think that this is a big, giant motivation spot from here. And he's been a little bit better down the stretch. He's got a 4.15 ERA. Big reason why is that he's given up a little bit north of five walks per nine innings. But you do take a look at what he's been able to do. Last two starts, giving up and combined three runs in 11-plus innings against the New York Yankees, getting 14 punch-outs in that span. I do think that he has been able to pick it up. I do think that he is starting to turn the corner now that he is with Toronto, and this is fun in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Blue Jays on the run line. I do think that they're going to be able to get their offense out of neutral, especially going up against a guy in Chris Flexen that is very much a pitch of contact guy. 34 innings has been allowing right around 9 hits per 9 innings, 424 ERA, not much of a strikeout guy, getting right around 6 half punch outs per 9 innings, and having allowed 5 home runs as well, and you're even able to take a look at last season. Last season, he wound up having some pretty demonstrative home and road splits, 323 home ERA, 406 road ERA, with giving up nearly double the amount of home runs per 9 innings on the road with opponents hitting a 281 off of them. So this is fine in which I'm going to be taking a look at that Blue Jays run line was pretty much willing to take anything north of a plus 125 and with making my total 8.7 I'm going to be taking a look at the over as well. 919-920 on the betting board the Boston Red Sox. Going to be playing mostly the Houston Astros. Jake Odorizzi is going to be going for the Astros and Garrett Woodlock is going to be on the bump for Boston. Your total on this game is 8.5 with the over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110 with the uh, Boston Red Sox anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 is what you're laying in with the Astros getting them as bad as a minus 105 as good as a plus 110 and I think that it is interesting to take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of Garrett Woodlock because this is someone that is being stretched out while beginning his season out there in the bullpen and has been very good for this team 209 ERA 34 punch outs in 24 and two-thirds innings. His walks per nine rate a little bit south of three. So he has been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort and being able to give the team some good innings. But you take a look at Jake Odorizzi. It was a little bit of a rough start to the season for him, but he has since been able to turn over a little bit of a new leaf now. He's recording a 338 ERA thanks in large part to the fact that he's went 11 and two-thirds innings in his last two starts giving up in that time span zero earned runs and you're even able to date it back to his last three starts which is 17 and two-thirds innings one run give it up in that time span so he has been able to do a nice job there and on top of that in his last three starts just four walks surrendered needs to pick it up a little bit with the swing and miss stuff 17 strikeouts in 26 and two-thirds innings but I do like what I've been able to see out of him. And you do take a look at Jake Odorizzi. He has had a 440 ERA on the road. And with the Boston Red Sox, it's intriguing to take a look at this offense because you do have a couple guys in the middle that have been able to do a very solid job. Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, along Xander Bogarts, all hitting at least a 310 for this team. And take a look at Devers. Last year, he wound up having 38 home runs. Thus far this season, six bombs, 19 RBI. So he's been able to do a solid job. But Kike Hernandez, Trevor Story, Christian Arroyo, Alex Verdugo, Bobby Dahlbeck, Kevin Ploiecki, all these guys are hitting a 2 
212 or lower. So they have been just completely stuck in the mud this season. And with taking Whitlock out of the bullpen, and it's questionable as to whether or not he's going to be able to give you more than five innings. It is a case in which you're going to be relying very heavily on this bullpen as they had to piecemeal things together yesterday with guys like Ryan Brazier and company having to pitch quite a few innings. You're going to have Jake Diekman, Itakazu Satomoto, and Matt Stram available, but this has been one of the lesser bullpens out there in the big leagues. And then you do take a look at what you're going to be able to get on the flip side for the Houston Astros. They're a top-five bullpen with regards to ERA. Ryan Presley has been doing a very good job for this team. Brian Abreu has been a little bit up and down, but Rafael Montero, a sub-1 ERA. Hector Neris, he certainly has had his issues throughout his career, but he's currently posting up a sub-1 ERA. Ryan Stanek, a buck 42 ERA. All these guys have been terrific. And then with the Astros as well, Jordan Alvarez, 11 bombs, 260 batting average. Jeremy Pena has been dealing with an injury the last few days, so that wound up being a little bit rough. Got to figure that he's going to be out of the fold once again for this team, and going to be a little bit questionable as to what you wind up getting out of some of these other guys as well, as I know that Jose Altuve, he has been dealing with some of his injury concerns as well, but I mean, he wound up putting those to rest as he winds up hitting a home run yesterday, so that has been very good for the team. Yuli Gurriel, after a very rough start to the season, he winds up hitting a pair of bombs, is now hitting at 250 with regards to his batting average, thanks to that performance yesterday. So, the Houston Astros rounding into form. They've won 12 out of their last 13 games. They've got the better bullpen, and I know that Garrett Woodlock has been a solid starter for the Boston Red Sox, but there's no trusting in the rest of his team. So, I want to make the Astros a favorite in this spot, and I mean, honestly, with regards to the Houston Astros, I was willing to lay up to right around a minus 138 with them. So I'm going to be looking to take the Astros on the money line in the spot. Did mind up saying my total at an 8.8 as well. Astros have been able to get going on offense, and the Red Sox bullpen has been a little bit rough. And I do think that they're going to be able to put up a few runs themselves. So looking over and looking Astros, 921-922 on the banging board. Got the Texas Rangers, and they're going to be playing us to the LA Angels. North or Syndergaard is going to be going for the Halos, and 55 shades of John Gray is going to be on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to being an underdog. Anywhere between plus 115 and plus 130 is your price. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Halos, anywhere between minus 135 and minus 145 is what you're going to be laying, and your total is 8 with the over and the under, both at minus 110, and I've been thoroughly impressed by what Noah Thor Syndergaard has been able to do thus far this season. Now, with Syndergaard, his swing and miss stuff is not necessarily down. This has not been the guy that we wound up seeing in New York with regards to the swing and miss stuff, but still has been able to do a nice job being able to lock down, not allowing too many men to be able to reach base in general. And the really big thing with him is that he has been able to really limit the walks. He has been able to go a combined 29 and a third innings, just six walks, two home runs allowed thus far this season. Strikeouts per nine rate and hovering right around a seven, but he's given up three runs or fewer in every one of his starts this season. And last time he wound up going to Texas, wound up giving up two runs in six innings in a relatively solid win. And then you take a look at John Gray and while he was with the Colorado Rockies, he was able to do a little bit of a better job at home than he was able to on the road. But you take a look at games that he didn't wind up pitching at Coors Field last season. 522 ERA, 9 home runs given up in 72 thirds innings with opponents sitting at 285 off of him. And he's got a 551 ERA thus far this season with giving up right around 4 walks per 9 innings. So that has been a little bit brutal. And what else is brutal is having to go up against an LA Angels lineup in which guys not named Mike Trout and Joey Otani have been able to do a solid job. I mean, Trout, he's been able to give you right around nine home runs. He's hitting above a 300 thus far this season, but Joey Otani, home runs in back-to-back games. He's now got eight. He's got a 255 batting average, but then you throw in there Taylor Ward, who's hitting right around a 390 with a north of 500 on base. I mean, this guy has been absolutely tremendous. Eight home runs at the leadoff spot for this team. Jared Walsh has right around 245 batting average. Brandon Marsh hitting a 280. Joe Adele, I think, is right now at the minor leagues because they've got so much talent. Tyler Wade has been able to get on. Now, the one thing with the Angels is that bullpen is not necessarily too terrific. You do have a trio of guys I do like in 
Aaron Loop, Rocio Iglesias, and then you're able to throw in the Ryan Tapera as well. And the Texas Rangers, ever since a rocky first, I would say, week and a half of the season, the bullpen has been very good for this team. Joel Parlo has been able to give you some good innings. Danny Santana has been able to come in and hold down the fort. I don't think that Matt Gibby some more is going to be able to continue his sub to 5 ERA, but he's been able to do a good job. And you even take a look at someone like a Brock Burke. He's got a buck 45 ERA in 18 and two-thirds innings, so he certainly has been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort. But you do take a look at the Texas Rangers lineup as well. And I mean, Marcus Simeon, has there been a bigger bust in Major League Baseball this season? He's got as many home runs as myself, and he's currently inning a buck 57. Adelise Garcia wound up being able to have a nice day yesterday with a pair of home runs, but he's still inning a 205 for this team. Corey Seager has been able to do a solid job, will be able to supply some home runs. He's only inning a 235, though, and then you take a look at Andy Abanya sitting right around the Mendoza line of 200. Cole Calhoun is starting to pick it up. He went deep twice yesterday. He's hitting a 220, but Willie Calhoun is hitting below the Mendoza line, so it's been a little bit tough for the Texas Rangers team to be able to get going on offense. I do think that Syndergaard going to be able to give some strong innings and I think that he's going to be able to get the ball to more of the trustworthy relievers of the Angels. They wind up setting the Angels at a minus 136 with regards to this money line. So here at the minus 135, that's pretty much a max that I'd be willing to lay, but I am willing to lay it here with the Angels and I do wind up setting my total at a 7.8. So here at the 8, going to be taking a look at the under and I'm going to be taking a look at the Halos. 923, 924 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox in the road to face off against Kansas City Royals. Brian Thunder Geller is going to be going for the Royals and currently the betting board is reading to be determined for the Chicago White Sox. Everything I'm hearing is that we're going to be getting Johnny Cueto in this spot and Johnny Cueto is going to be coming up from the minor leagues. He wound up signing a little bit of a deal there and I think that this is going to be very fascinating if we do wind up getting Mr. Cueto because I did wind up setting the White Sox as a minus 112 favorite if he does wind up going up against Brian Keller. If you wind up getting more of a White Sox bullpen game I'd be setting a little bit of a similar line here. You do take a look at Brad Keller and Keller has been a little bit up and down throughout his career. Actually, a very good start to the season. A 270 ERA, 1-3 record, not necessarily reflective of it. And the big thing for Keller is that he's got nine walks in 36 and two-thirds innings prior to the season. A career north of three and a half walks per nine innings. Heck, I mean, you're able to take a look at last season, right around four and a half walks per nine innings. He posted up a 589 ERA, despite giving up seven home runs in 55 innings, because and guys just had to him. He wound up having an opponent's batting average of a 297, so that no question is an issue and he is going up against a lineup that they don't wind up hitting righties as well as they do lefties. So that is going to be a little bit of an advantage there. Eloy Jimenez, he has been out of the fold for this team, so that has certainly been a little bit of an issue for the Chicago White Sox. Wound up having a little bit of a rough weekend in general against the New York Yankees. And what else I think is fascinating when it comes to taking a look at this White Sox team is just the way that Tim Anderson has been playing because, I mean, this guy is hitting well north of a 333. He's been able to get the job done, but Andrew Vaughn being on the injured list, that has been hurting them as well. You take a look at what you've been able to get out of some of the other ancillary guys like a Jose Abreu who year in and year out has been able to do a great job of being able to supply RBI and it just hasn't been there for him this season. He's hitting a buck 97 right now. He really needs to pick it up and then you got Yasmani Grandal who last year wound up having like a 240 batting average with a north of 400 on base percentage and that luck just has not been there this year. Luis Robert, he's been hitting a 300 as well so I've got to give him a little bit of love but with that said, AJ Pollock, Lurie Garcia, Josh Harrison, Reese McGuire, all these guys in below 
below the Mendoza line of 200. That has been an issue. And for the White Sox, this has just not been a good bullpen aside from Kendall Graven. Graven, buck 56 ERA, but Liam Hendricks tied for the league lead with regards to blown saves. 470 ERA. He has spent anything but lockdown thus far this season. Tanner Banks has actually been a nice find out of the bullpen, but Ryan Burr has north of a 5 ERA as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, this bullpen has just stunk on ice. They have been in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA all season long. Josh Shamout has not been able to take over the way that you would like him to. Dylan Coleman has been a little bit up and down. I actually liked what he's been able to do this season. Scott Barlow has a sub-2 ERA, but you take a look at more of the long guys like Colin Snyder, Joel Payampas. These guys have been a little bit up and down as well. And then you do take a look at what you might be able to get out of Cueto in the start because, as I mentioned, he was pitching at the AAA level. 5-1-7 ERA while he was with Charlotte, obviously. A little bit of a small sample size. Wound up making four starts, 15 and a third innings. So I don't expect him to give you anything more than four, maybe, maybe five innings. The command has been there, and he's gotten right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. Has given up a little bit of hard contact. But this is a Royals lineup that you don't necessarily have those guys are able to go deep for you. This is a Royals team that, as a collective, they're towards the bottom with regards to um, overall hitting numbers. Now, they wound up getting a little bit over-inflated in the weekend because... They wound up going to Coors Field. Ball was flying out left and right, but you still take a look at it in games that are not played in Coors Field for this Kansas City Royals team. It's been really bad. Whit Merrifield along with Salvador Perez have both been inning below a 215 for this team, so you need a little bit more there. Michael A. Taylor, Nicky Lopez have been unable to get on base as well. And even with going to Coors Field, even with having a very solid weekend, this is a Royals team that overall the season they have played 31 games and have been able to supply 18 home runs. That has been an issue for guys not named Andrew Benintendi. He's currently got a 375 on base, hitting a 316 for the team, having Ed Alvarez out of the fold means that he, along with Hunter Dozier, are the only two players that have seen at least 30 at-bats. They're currently hitting above a 230 for this team. So I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that the Royals are going to be up against it in this one. I did wind up saying them as a plus 112, even if we do wind up getting Johnny Cueto, who winds up pitching for the White Sox, if it winds up being a bullpen game for the White Sox, might actually upgrade them a little bit, depending upon what's winding up going out. So this is strictly a Cueto versus Brad Keller handicap because it's a little bit of a unique situation there. But if it does wind up being Cueto versus Keller, set my total at an 8.2, where an 8 or less going to be looking at an over an 8.5 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the under end. We wrap things up with the DK Nation pick as we go to 925-926 on the main board. We got the Minnesota Twins, and they hit the road to face off against the Oakland A's. Zach Logue is going to be going for the A's, and Chris Archer is going to be on the bump for Minnesota. The Twins are finding themselves in between minus 127 and minus 135 favorites. Plus 115 to plus 120 is what you're finding the Oakland A's clocking in at with your total 7.5. And with the 7.5, it is juicy under. You're finding an anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and seeing as high as a plus 105. And the DK Nation pick here is going to be on the over. I mean, if we could get a 7, that would be even better. But with that said, assuming that we wind up getting a 7.5, I'm going to be in on the over in this spot because you take a look at Logan. I mean, in three starts, he's been able to do a very solid job. But you also take a look at Zach Logan, who the starts have been coming against. He wound up facing off against the Minnesota Twins and Detroit Tigers and the Baltimore Orioles in his first three career appearances. So that's why he's clocking in with a buck 35 ERA. You take a look at what he wound up doing for Las Vegas, the AAA affiliate of Oakland this season. And 
in that time span, he wound up giving up 2.8 home runs, 4.5 walks in his four starts. Was not necessarily too terrific there. Now, you go back to what he was able to do with Toronto last season in their minor league affiliate. 367 ERA probably didn't deserve his 12-4 and record as he did wind up allowing right around 1.1 home runs, 8 hits per 9 innings. So, he is someone that guys are going to be able to get to. And for the Minnesota Twins, you've got Byron Buxton, who's got 11 home runs in 23 games thus far this season. I mean, if he played a full 162, he'd be on pace for every single home run record in the history of forever. So, he has been that good. Now, with the Twins, you do want to be taking note that this is a team that they have been going through a couple injuries. Trevor Larnish has been in and out of the fold. That has not necessarily been too terrific. Carlos Correa, he is currently on the 10-day injury list, so that has been a little bit tough for them, but the replacement of Mr. Correa, Royce Lewis, is currently inning at 281. He's been able to keep the line moving for this team. Luis Arias has been able to above a 3 iron Max Kepler, Ore Palanco, Gio Urshel, hitting between a 235 to 245. So, got some capable bats out there, and you do take a look at this Oakland A's team, and to say that it's been a little bit of a rough sledding for this offense would be very generous. 16 out of their last 21 games, they have it for three runs or fewer, but that said, this is a team that they've been able to do a solid job of being able to draw a couple walks throughout the season. They've been able to be a little bit more competitive at the plate with Sean Murphy being able to give you four home runs. Sheldon Noisy, he's got a 350 on base. Elvis Andrews is right now one of the most unlucky players dating back to the beginning of the 2021 season with regards to his batting average. He's just hit the ball in the wrong places, and I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up against a guy in Chris Archer that has yet to go north of five innings this season. As a matter of fact, I don't think that he's completed a full five innings this year. Now, the Minnesota Twins actually have been one of the best bullpens with regards to ERA this season, but I do think that there's going to be some negative regression when it comes to this bullpen as they did wind up having to use up Cody Sashek along with Emilio Pagan and even Joe Smith yesterday, and Joe Smith has yet to give up an earned run this season, which has been absolutely incredible to take a look at. you got Yohan Duran who has been able to do a solid job with right around a 3-ish ERA for this team as well, but I do think that there is going to be a little bit of a downwards bio roll for this team, and then you do take a look at this whole Canadiens bullpen. They have actually been in the top 10 with regards to ERA as well, but you do have the league leader in blown saves in Domingo Acevedo. He's currently got three this season. Zach Jackson has been able to have himself a relatively solid year with right around a 360 ERA. You've been able to have Danny Jansen come in and be able to hold down the Ford and AJ Puck. Currently a 0-60 ERA has been nothing short of masterful for this team, but I certainly do think that you're going to see a little bit of regression now with Oakland Marine layers going to be out because it is a little bit more of a nighttime game, so don't expect to have a bunch of deep shots, but also for Oakland, can't think that they're going to go 0 of 11 with runners in scoring position, much like they did yesterday as well. This has been an offense that has gotten a little bit unlucky. It's a pitching staff that has gotten a little bit lucky, so I do think that there's going to be a little bit of mixing and shaking here. I do think that you're going to be able to get some runs upon the board in this game, especially with the Minnesota Twins and the way that they've been able to fire on all cylinders on offense on the road. So, DK Nation pick going to be on the over in this spot, and I do think that Chris Archer, someone who has been a little bit rough throughout his career, he's probably priced pretty appropriately. I did wind up setting the Twins as a minus 126 favor because I mentioned it with Archer just has not been able to go a full five innings and has given up six home runs in 22 and a third innings should be able to reduce the deep ball, but at the same time, he just focuses so much on strikeouts that he winds up walking a lot of guys 12 walks over the course of 22 and a third innings, likely going to knock him out a little bit early. So, seeing right now the plus 120-ish, I'm in a little bit of wait-and-see mode. Going to try to see if the Oakland A's wind up inching up because we have noticed them get quite faded throughout the season. If we wind up having to come down to 
it. Right now, I'm seeing the run line in a lot of spots. We're at around a minus 145 with the Oakland A's getting a run and F. If we'd be able to get more like a minus 140, would be in there. Certainly in wait and see mode right now, but I do think that when it's all said and done, probably going to be a play here on the Oakland A's. As that will wrap things up for the Monday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Big thanks to my friend, and I don't even say it jokingly, my actual friend from high school, Eric Bookinger, who wanted to join me in the last segment, doing a great job over there at DK Nation. If you do like what you're hearing from this five podcasts, baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. Size per usual. Please just send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, terrible fire and whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Buy that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.